Welcome back to Unbossed, I'm Ravana filling in for Senator Nina Turner. We've got some really good stories for you today. We're gonna cover with some exclusive coverage, Trump's rally over the weekend. We're gonna talk about Israel's latest attack on Palestine. And then <laughs> on the lighter side of things, we're gonna talk about a town where you have to be a patriot to live there. And joining me today is the one and the only Jackson White, Rebel HQ contributor Jackson. I was so happy when I saw your yes. name on the thing and today. I actually, I actually, I didn't even see it. I just uh, glimpsed over it. I've been pretty busy, but yeah, we just keep on meeting up. We keep on crossing paths. You know what I'm saying? So I'm definitely looking forward to the show. It's always good. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get right into this Trump rally from this <laughs> weekend. So he could stand on the front steps of the White House and and commit murder, and I'm with him. <laughs> They don't anybody compare to Donald Trump. He loves this country, and that's why I love him. You know, if but if somebody was, you know, an American who was born gay thinks that the presidency matters and their their issues matter, what would you say to that uh, that person? They need to read the read the Bible. They need to read the Bible. Is there anything that would disqualify him from your vote? No, not at all. He hasn't done anything illegal. There was a massive Trump rally in Pickens, South Carolina over the weekend and town officials estimated the crowd may have reached over 50,000 people. Now TYT was there and spoke to some of the folks who attended to hear the president speak. You just heard some of their thoughts. Now his opponents were not exactly thrilled about what was going on at the rally because particularly Nikki Haley and Senator Tim Scott, they were they felt that he was encroaching on their home state turf. Now Trump was playing all of the classics, touching on, of course, his favorite election fraud. I will bring back free speech in America, and I will move heaven and earth to fully secure our elections. We have to secure. We have open borders, and we have really bad and corrupt elections, and therefore, we almost don't have a country, and soon you won't have a country if you keep that up. Our goal will be one day voting with only paper ballots and voter ID in all cases. But until then, Republicans must compete using every lawful means to win. He was truly in rare form at this event, and I've got some information on it, but first, Jackson, I'll let you get in on this. <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump kills me because he just goes on stage and just says stuff. He's like, you know, they, they want to take away your washing machines and your dishwashers. And, <laughs> you know, we used to have hour long lunches. I don't know what happened to that. Every time I go and I, I visit the union workers now, it's only like 20 minutes. I, what, I don't know what's going on. And the people in the crowd are just like, yeah, and he just says like literally anything. Like, and it's, it's just fascinating how this man says absolutely nothing. But yet and still, 50,000 plus people showed up. Donald Trump, obviously, look, unless something significant happens, he's already won the primary. He's been won the primary. Nothing about that is going to change. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just hilarious to watch Donald Trump go up there and say absolutely nothing. And the people love it. So that, that was, that, that's my initial thoughts on it. Everything you said just remind me, reminded me of the time he was on stage and he was <laughs> chanting about toilets, how they don't flush the way they used to. And he was like, sometimes you gotta flush it one, two, ten times. Not me, yeah, yeah, but you. But he literally was making, he was calling his audience disgusting hogs that take massive dumps. And they were like, woo! Oh, you're right. We do poop too much. Like you know, when I come to my supporters, you know, neighborhoods, I, th I think there's no way that these trailers can can flush down those loads. Like, he, he's <laughs> just, I mean, it's entertainment. It's really entertainment, which just goes to show how pathetically boring so many of our politicians is are rather. But more importantly, I think that that goes to show just a general disconnect in the culture. You know, for the most part, people view politicians as old geezers who are corrupted by corporate America. And that's why somebody like Donald Trump, despite the fact that he's one of the most corrupt people this well, the modern nation's ever seen, he's still the outsider. He's still not a politician somehow. Right. And there was some, you know, I don't necessarily want to label it corruption, but there was some, you know, damage that was done to the city because of Trump's event. And it was a bit like a huge scourge on resources. So let's get into that reporting from Politico. 
People flocked both from surrounding counties and other states to glimpse the twice indicted former president, little shade there from Politico, whose presence in the three square mile city shut down businesses and strained municipal resources. Trump seized on the city's long planned annual Independence Day festival, announcing the rally two weeks ago after Trump's team with help from Republican elected officials in the state convinced the city to agree to secret service shutdowns around its main business strip. In Pickens, vendors set up days in advance and local homeowners tried to rent out $50 parking spaces in their front yards. Some attendees slept outside the entry gate overnight. The line to enter snaked through the city center Saturday as the entrepreneurial mind minded hawked camp <laughs> chairs, bottled water and hot dogs. Rally goers ripped cardboard boxes into pieces to make fans and Trump's campaign frantically brought around pallets of water and Gatorade to hydrate the crowd. Now, his event was also a major disruption to the city from that report. The Pickens Police Chief told the local newspaper his officers had to study, quote, every parking lot in the city to figure out how to accommodate the massive crowd. And it was like a surprisingly massive crowd. And, you know, Jackson, we've been covering right this Republican primary, but I think you're right. There's no competition. Trump, and I don't think all of his events are gonna be this big. I don't think most of them are gonna be this big, but he's won. He's already the candidate for the Republican Party. Yeah, I mean, at this point, what else honestly could he possibly do except pass away? to prevent people from voting for him. Um, I mean, the, the audio tape where him literally saying like, you know, check out these papers and, and, and then him coming on and saying, you know, I didn't have documents, I had a bunch of papers. If that audio recording was filmed, he would just say it was AI or he would say, well, I mean, they were papers. They weren't the documents actually that, that, that you guys are saying. It truly doesn't matter what he does. Um, and the other guy, Ron DeSantis, we've seen, you know, everyone knows now that that just ain't happening. Yeah. And everybody else just kowtows to him and, and kisses his behind. So there's no one else in the party or really in the country who's anywhere, who's anything like him, who's anything similar to him in terms of his ability to just make people pay attention, make people feel like, yeah, this is the man, especially not in this election. So right. yeah, it's, it's over, yeah, it's, it's over, which yeah. is hilarious and sad at the same time, but it's over. And speaking of Republicans kissing Trump's ass, he brought a posse with him <laughs> to this event. He brought Marjorie Taylor feet and Lindsey Graham <laughs> to warm up the crowd. Now, MTG was able to get the crowd pumped up by you know all of her favorite you know top topics to discuss, such as the throwback of calling for Hillary Clinton to be imprisoned. And then we have Hillary Clinton, who was storing classified information. It never gets old, never gets old. <laughs> Every day I wake up and it's 2016 again. Every, I, I'm in an endless loop, I'm stuck in Groundhog's Day. I wake up, the talking points are the same. They're still playing the same song, <laughs> it never ends. But um, he also brought Lindsey Graham with him. And honestly, the crowd was not as receptive <laughs> to Lindsey Graham as they were to Marjorie Taylor Greene, take a look. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome United States Senator Lindsey Graham. Didn't even give him a chance. So I was like, all right, how do y'all? All right, all right now. All right, guys, I understand. I get it now. All right. 
No, but um, I think honestly, it's just because people don't respect him. Um, you know, everyone knows that Lindsey Graham is not a fan of Donald Trump. Um, one of I, I'll never ever forget the tweet that he put out in 2015 that basically predicted to the state of the Republican Party today, where he said if we let him into the party, it's a wrap for us. And so that guy, you know, it's just kind of like, we'll get this dude off the stage. Again, at least Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they, they never bowed down. You know what I'm saying? They've been, they, they've been down for the cause 100% of the time. You know, they're, they're, they're true loyalists, but everybody else, you know, it's like, ah, rhinos, just a bunch <laughs> of rhinos. So that, that's really all it is. Yeah, it really reminded me of Jeb Bush saying, please clap to Come the on, audience. Guys. <laughs> I need some footage from this now. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Just so goofy. Okay, so that was fun, but we have to move into a more serious topic with this next story. Israel has launched a new deadly attack on Palestine, this time the city of Jenin. Now this is from the Washington Post reporting that about 1000 Israeli soldiers backed by drone strikes stormed Jenin on Monday, targeting a militant quote operational command center in the most expansive Israeli military operation in the occupied West Bank in two decades. The assaults marked the start of an extensive counterterrorism effort centered on the densely populated Jenin refugee camp, according to Israeli officials, and were ongoing as of Monday afternoon local time. At least eight people were killed and 80 injured, according to the Palestinian Health Ministry, with 17 in critical condition and the residents of Janine were very rightfully scared of what was going on. From that report from the Washington Post, residents reported receiving text messages from Israeli numbers that warned them to stay inside for their protection. Separate messages directed at militants advised them to surrender yourself for your safety and the safety of those around you. Now we have a video of an Israeli bulldozer destroying a street which was preventing ambulances from getting injured people in the city. Some more information on this attack and the response to it, but Jackson, first, I just have to say, it really feels like the cruelty is the point when it comes to the actions that Israel takes towards Palestine. I mean, they knew what was going to happen if they bulldozed that street. They knew that it was going to prevent ambulances from from helping people who were injured because of their you know attack on Palestine. So it really feels like their intention is to stop and they bomb hospitals, they bomb nonprofits and GOs that operate to you know help children in Palestine. It is genuinely a disgusting human rights abuse. Definitely, and um, you know, like as you pointed out, the cruelty being the point. Really, what's going on is eradication. Um, you know, this is this is what human beings do to the weak. This is what governments do uh, to land masses that they feel like they can take. Um, and with you know, at the end of the day, if APAC and the Israel lobby didn't give so much money to our Congress and our Senate, um, then you know, people wouldn't be fired in silence for talking about these types of things because it's legitimate and it's also not unique um, to the. Palestinian people. There's human rights issues that happen worldwide, but because of you know foreign corruption, you know people are silenced when they talk about it, or it's you know cloaked over with anti-Semitism just to point out just general war crimes that are happening to people who really you know don't have anything to do with any type of religious ideology. It's just about taking land and increasing power, just like it always is. Yeah, and. Fortunately, there was an outcry, although I'll say that the reporting on what's going on has been sparse and not nearly, it has not gotten nearly the coverage it deserves. But there has been quick criticism, including from the group Jewish Voice for Peace, which tweeted this out. The Israeli military just launched a full scale attack on Jenin and laid the city under siege. This is how the Israeli government treats Gaza. And now Netanyahu brought it the occupied West Bank. We demand accountability and US military funding to Israel now. And Lynn Hastings, the UN's humanitarian coordinator in Palestine, sent out this tweet. 
alarmed by scale of Israeli force operation in Jenin, occupied West Bank. Airstrikes were used in the densely populated refugee camp, several dead and critically wounded. Access to all injured must be ensured. Ochoaopt is mobilizing humanitarian partners to provide assistance. However, Marwan Bashara, a senior political analyst for Al Jazeera, says the condemnation can only go so far. Take a look. By the historic record, these are empty words, meaningless condemnations. More of the same urging, more of the same demanding for some sort of whatever it means, the international community to intervene, knowing all too clearly that there is no such a thing. Probably we are closer to a divine intervention than an international intervention to protect the Palestinian people. Israel continues with total impunity to do what it has done for the last half a century, except is doing more of it with more aggression and more vulgarity. And he couldn't be more right that Israel acts with impunity knowing that they have the support of the largest superpower in the United States that operates throughout the world with impunity. But this is just another attack and an uptick in Israeli attacks on the Palestinian people from common dreams. Monday's raid came just two weeks after Israeli forces killed several Palestinians, including two 15-year-old children in an attack on the Janine refugee camp, which Israel's far-right government claims is being used as a hub for terrorist activities. The latest assault also came amid growing settler violence in the West Bank. And they can always use that excuse, right? They can always say they're harboring terrorists in this place. And then any action they take, they can justify it to the world. And that includes you know, bombing apartment buildings and killing women and children and innocent people with, and you know, as long as they say, as long as they're able to go on the news and make the appeal and say that, well, we're pretty sure they were harboring terrorists there. So we killed eight civilians in an attempt to stop these terrorists. They're always gonna be, you know, portrayed favorably in most Western media, and that needs to stop. And despite these attacks, of course, the United States continues to provide robust military aid to Israel. Now, according to an updated Congressional Research Service report in March of this year, Israel is the largest cumulative recipient of US foreign assistance since World War II. To date, the United States has provided Israel 158 billion current or non-inflation adjusted dollars in bilateral assistance and missile defense funding. At present, almost all US bilateral aid to Israel is in the form of military assistance. From 1971 to 2007, Israel also received significant economic assistance. And Jackson, I am also tired of these thoughts and prayers type responses to what's going on. Because at this point, it's become abundantly clear that the United States isn't gonna do anything. I mean, it, the UN has determined that this is, you know, a, a human rights abuses are going on, you know, um, the Amnesty International said that there is a literal apartheid state happening and the you know western governments are just they refuse to intervene and it's mainly because the united states is such a strong backer it's kind of a what you going to do about it type of situation and it's really interesting how so often that's really all anything ever comes down to when it comes to politics or war or anything with foreign policy it's who has the biggest guns or who has access to the trade routes or anything along those lines. Because again, like you pointed out, if you say, well, we're just trying to target terrorists, but you take out hospitals or places that really can sustain a population, it's the same thing as you know systematically starving people to death or like systematically poisoning the well or you know making it such that people slowly have to suffer, getting people out of the way eradication. Um, so. Nobody really can stand up to the United States, or more importantly, I would say people aren't willing to stand up to it because they simply don't care. And that may, you know, that that may be harsh, but it's the truth. the The right people don't care enough to stand up, and that's it. Yeah, no, that it is absolutely the truth of what's going on, and there needs. I can't even just say there needs to be accountability. There needs to be actual action. There needs to be on the ground action to prevent what's going on here. They need to an immediate stop to military and all aid to Israel. I mean, the response to this 
you know, I think the history will view the support of the Israeli state the same way that history views the support of South African apartheid and it should. And we need to get to that place sooner than later because innocent people are being killed in Palestine every day and it needs to come to an end. But speaking of coming to an end, we have to go to a break, but stick around because we'll be right back with some more stories on the other side. Welcome back to Unbossed. First, I want to say thank you to the mods on Twitch, on YouTube for keeping the chat clean, safe and fun. I also want to remind everybody that to get a membership, times are changing in digital media and we have survived this long because our viewers and members have been with us every single step of the way. Now, the members here make all the difference at TYT and together we can help amplify the issues that really matter like Medicare for all, criminal justice reform, racial justice, climate change, just to name a few. So don't forget to support our work at tyt.com slash join. I also wanna remind everybody to subscribe to the progress report because there's the big stories that the corporate media is messing them up. We let you know what's actually going on. The stories that they're covering up, we'll hunt them down and share them with you. And there's also TYT original reporting. So make sure to never miss another story. Scan the QR code on your screen or go to tyt.com slash newsletter to sign up for the progress report. Also want to remind everybody that if you are like me and you have a busy schedule during the day and you can't always watch the show live, you can always listen to it as a podcast. And as long as you're listening as a podcast, leave a review for Unbossed on Apple Podcasts. Tell everybody how much you love the show, give it a five star rating. And all you have to do is search for Unbossed with Nina Turner, click follow. Rate us five stars and let us know what you enjoy about the show. Um, lastly, I want to remind everybody that there's no live show tomorrow because of the 4th of July, but I'll be back filling in for Senator Nina Turner on Wednesday. So make sure that you are here for that. Now let's look at some of your comments over on Twitch. The IT Dragon says, welcome back Ray Vanna. All thank you very much. Gaming Flawless Pyro says, yay, it's Ray, one of my favorite TYT hosts. Oh, there's so much nice stuff here for me. Call like a bomb says the Ray takeover continues. I know I've just filled in for JR for two weeks. Um, also, he's back today, so make sure that you welcome him back with lots of love after this show. Um, Orpheus says Ray is taking over. I am, I am. <laughs> right, Ray uh, on everything. <laughs> I know, you are too. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Ghost Dog says Jackson's Trump impression is delightfully unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I sound exactly like him, but I have a good time when I do it, so. <laughs> it's pretty good, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Thorn Park Racing says they are coming for your lawnmowers. Um, <laughs> Deb in Michigan uh, subscribed to tier one, happy 13 months for me. Thank you so much for resubbing for 13 months, that's crazy. Um, over on YouTube, Archie says Jonestown 2023. Uh, Michael Morgan says Ray is cool, Jackson is cool, I like this pairing. Well, we like this pairing too, and yeah, we also think yeah. you're cool, so thank you. <laughs> um, and then lastly, over on the member section, Sexy Speed Racer says, I will bring back free hate speech in America, but will outlaw and brutally suppress dissent of any kind. Just read between the lines, that is exactly what Trump was saying on the podium for that last, for his his rally over the weekend. I mean, because he's saying he wants to bring back free speech, but I mean, what is the Republican Party doing aside from you know crapping all over our free speech rights in the name of free speech, especially with the Supreme Court case, the decision that was handed down at the end of last week. I mean, that is an attack on free speech, if anything. But as long as we're talking about the Supreme Court, Let's talk about student loan forgiveness because after the Supreme Court struck down Biden's student loan debt relief plan last week, he promised a plan B and that plan B has me asking WTF neoliberal. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. I have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. I'm announcing today a new path consistent with today's ruling to provide student debt relief to as many borrowers as possible, as quickly as possible. We will ground this new approach in a different law than my original plan, the so-called Higher Education Act. That, I, that will allow Secretary Cardona, who's with me today, 
to compromise, waive, or release loans under certain circumstances. This new path is legally sound. It's going to take longer, but in my view, it's the best path that remains to providing for as many borrowers as possible with debt relief. Now, according to Biden's sycophants, I was going to call them fans, but I think sycophants is a better term for <laughs> for supporting President Biden. You know, <laughs> without shame. According to them, he's trying his hardest, but unfortunately for them, that's really not the case. Now, Biden's POTUS account on Twitter tweeted these out. Starts here that says, in the wake of today's Supreme Court decision on student loan relief, we need a new way forward and we're moving as fast as we can. Here's what's next. First, I'm announcing a new path to provide student debt relief to as many borrowers as possible, as quickly as possible, grounded in the Higher Education Act. Just moments ago, Secretary Cardona took the first official steps to initiate this new approach. And then he tweeted this out. Second, we're creating a temporary 12 month on ramp to repayment. That is not the same as a student loan pause, but during this period, if you miss payments, this on ramp will temporarily move the threat of default or having your credit harmed. This fight isn't over. But Astra Taylor, who is the co founder of an organization you've probably heard of, the Debt Collective, shot back, dropping this reality on President Biden. Astra tweeted out, not fast enough. The problem is speed. This plan buys time for more baseless, bad faith billionaire backed lawsuits to get lined up with rogue judges eager to block anything that helps working people. Under HEA, you can cancel debt immediately. That's what fighting looks like. Now, I mentioned Biden's sycophants at the beginning, and <laughs> who better than the Pod Johns to mention at this time? Because John Favreau is a former Obama speechwriter, tried to stump for Biden on his delayed approach. He tweeted this out. Joe Biden is doing everything humanly possible to give people student debt relief. But honestly, as one of the people who's massively impacted by this Supreme Court decision, I stood to have $20,000 of my student loans forgiven. It doesn't feel like he's doing that. And he was quickly checked by the debt collective on Twitter, who quote tweeted him and said, this is in fact wrong. Biden is not doing everything possible. To be honest, this action is perfectly designed to be the worst case scenario. He is resuming interest in payments voluntarily. And as for relief, this rulemaking will take at minimum several months. They also tweeted this out, anyone pushing this action is fighting for you or doing everything possible, either doesn't understand the rulemaking process or is lying to you. The corrupt Supreme Court sucks, Republicans suck, but they aren't resuming your payments, Biden is. This alone is his mess. And as it stands, an astronomical number of student loan borrowers can't afford to even make payments. Check out this headline from Business Insider last week. The restart of student loan payments is going to pressure the strong US consumer as 34% of borrowers say they'll be unable to make payments. And Jackson, I think I'm probably one of those borrowers. I'm really, and so many of us are not gonna be able to do this. We've gotten used to the status quo of not having to pay them. And Biden's new rule that he's trying to make, it's a long process. They're exactly right, rulemaking is not quick. There's multiple steps that you have to go through and you are legally obligated to go through them. So he has the authority, shouldn't he just forgive student loans? Well, absolutely, and you know, for argument's sake, if he wanted to say, if I were to take an executive action, it would be challenged in the court. Just him taking those actions and really putting forth that effort would really make a difference, not just for his reelection campaign, but also for the democratic establishment as a whole. Because if that were to have went through, that would have been Joe Biden's signature achievement for his reelection campaign and probably for his entire presidency. But now he's gonna have to find somewhat of a different strategy in terms of selling policy to the American people. Um, but you know, you pointed out and every all the evidence pointed out that basically he's just like, oh well, and the Supreme Court turned it down. So we're just gonna go ahead and, and, and resume everything. Um, people can't afford it, uh, but nonetheless, people are gonna have to go on right on ahead and keep on paying it. But um, at the end of the day, if there isn't a very strong political push for this, not just on the federal level, but every level of government, then nothing's gonna change. And also we need uh, to really look at the systemic problems as a whole so that the debt doesn't uh, reaccrue itself, even if it were you know, all deleted right now. So there's a lot of work to be done and Biden just isn't showing any initiative or sense of urgency for any of it. Exactly, especially when like forgiving student loan debt is 
It's a policy victory and it's a political victory, which is something that he and the Democratic Party desperately need right now. You know, as we see the Trump support ramp up and the Biden support taper off. Yeah. The polls aren't looking very favorably to him. So do something big, go, go hard or go home. And it really feels like he's just going home. Okay, let's jump into this next honestly horrifyingly disgusting segment by this horrifyingly disgusting guy, Greg Gutfeld of Fox News, who as we all know is a pathetic excuse for a man to begin with, but he has taken it to a disgusting new level. Let's all check out what he recently said about the unhoused. For many, this is a lifestyle choice. I mean, when you think about it, it's not a bad one. I mean, no mortgages, no rent, no bills, no boss, no kids, no student loan debt. The only responsibility you have is to get money for drugs. That's why affordable housing is always, to me, it just rings hollow because no matter how affordable you make the housing, they're not gonna pay for it. The money's gonna go somewhere else. So all my solution is always to kill the homeless. With kindness, I say the obvious solution is to create zones for the homeless, not camps, but camping grounds, because we're seeing some pretty impressive tents here. Let them live on government land in these tents. Let them have it on one condition in this new world. It's not with us. If you want to be homeless and you want to live this lifestyle, go for it. But we are a civil society with shared norms that we all must meet. We cannot mix with nomadic tribes that are unsanitary and harmful to themselves. First, I want to say if you're so concerned that they're not going to give the money to their landlords and there's no level of affordability that they'll be willing to pay, I can think of one free, make it free. And then your ridiculous concern anyway has gone out the door, make it free. And of course, you have to know the let's kill them pause with kindness. Obviously, we could all read between the lines and understand what he's insinuating. And then, of course, the grotesque rhetoric he spewed afterwards. Let's just quickly fact check this idiot. Now, John Hines, who's a master's level social worker, educator, and writer, attributed being unhoused to many factors. But in the big picture, they are from the, from John Hines. Conditions perpetuating homelessness, income related issues, including low income, unemployment, and precarious employment, and limited income opportunities due to low education and skills. Lack of support and services, including those geared towards addressing such problems as ill health, mental illness, substance abuse, and social isolation from family and friends. Now, the part two of this says that those related to housing factors, including eviction and vulnerability due to living in crowded and or unaffordable Housing, of course. Now, furthermore, corporate greed contributes heavily to the number of unhoused people in our country, obviously. And of course, this is something that Greg Gutfeld doesn't give a crap about. But let's talk about it because we do. The top 1% wealthiest people in America now hoard more than 30% of the entire country's wealth after increasing by $12 trillion during the pandemic. Their total combined holdings reached a record of $45.9 trillion the end of 2021. We've come to this point after decades of wealthy capitalists maximizing their own profits by cutting wages to their employees and raising the rent on their investment properties. This pattern will continue because greed is limitless. Most politicians are unwilling to pass legislation to correct this exploitation for fear of their own funding drying up. She said it perfectly. So Greg Gutfeld, you absolute idiot. I know that you don't actually care about solving homelessness or, you know, treating people with kindness is what you, you know, pretended you were saying. But let's actually talk about some real proven solutions, not his deranged solution solution, if you his final solution for for unhoused individuals, honestly. But from the United States and Interagency Council on Homeless, some solutions are wow, wouldn't you know it? Housing, <laughs> integrate healthcare, build career pathways, foster education connections, reduce criminal justice involvement, and also end corporate greed being an obvious one. Jackson, I mean, what he said was like it genuinely made my skin crawl. I know he's a disgusting person, but he's saying that we need to segregate these people so that he doesn't have to look at them. 
Yeah, basically that's all it is. He just doesn't want to be bothered with him. And, and clearly Greg Gutfield's just a, a genuinely dumb guy. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's just a dumb dude, and and that's what he gets paid to be. But you pointed it out correctly. Really, he's talking about a final solution type of deal because getting homeless people off the map and away from the rest of society would just open them up to all kinds of abuse that the general public wouldn't necessarily see. So you know, I mean, it reminds me of this movie, that movie District Nine. I don't know why that popped into my head, but basically, like these aliens came to Earth and they ended up getting segregated and put into these camps. I don't know if you've seen it; it's not important, but just just for a reference. Um, but you know, how much money does it cost a taxpayer for these uh, people to be homeless? We know the statistics of a lot of working homeless, and there used to be clinics, mental health clinics, that people could visit um, that were paid for by tax dollars uh, to where they could get different types of assistance. And for anybody who lives like outside of major metropolitan areas, like maybe most of the country, Midwest, South. You know, in a lot of inner city areas, you have street after street lined with vacant buildings and vacant houses that could be turned into free homes with relatively little investment because people don't necessarily want to buy that property for very much of anything else. And if they're not gentrifying it or it's just sitting there rotting because ain't nothing happening there, you know what I'm saying? So. There's so many different things that we can do, but getting people off the grid is not one of them. Exactly, and just to that point, like I, there's proven programs. We know that you know it's actually less expensive to provide free housing than to pay for the uh, the failing programs that, that we are funding. So I mean, for the person, the odd person out whose concern is genuinely, this is going to cost too much of taxpayer dollars. It's actually going to cost you less. So <laughs> just to right. undermine that talking point. <sighs> okay, let's. We're talking about the cruelty being the point, I guess, is the theme for today's show. And I think that perfectly sums up what is happening with Greg Abbott. Right wingers in southern states continue to pull the horrific stunt of sending migrants to blue states. Most recent being this weekend, as Governor Greg Abbott sent another bus with dozens of asylum seekers from Texas to Los Angeles. Let's get into some of the details from The Guardian. The bus, which arrived at about 12.40 p.m. at Los Angeles's Union Station from Brownsville, Texas, held 41 people, including 11 children who were with their families. The busload of people were welcomed by a collective of faith and immigrants rights groups and transported to St. Anthony's Croatian Catholic Church, where they were given water, food, clothing, medical checkups, and initial legal immigration assistance. The asylum seekers came from Cuba, Belize, Colombia, El Salvador, Guatemala, Mexico, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. According to a statement from Churla, most of those on the bus are seeking to reunify with family members or sponsors. Six of them need to fly to Las Vegas, Seattle, San Francisco, and Oakland. Now, Greg Abbott hasn't said anything about the bus load that was sent, but he did put out this tweet over the weekend. Texas National Guard soldiers and DPS troopers have apprehended more than 386,000 illegal immigrants. They patrol the border around the clock to detect and stop more legal crossings. While Biden ignores the border crisis, Texas is stepping up to fill the gaps he created. Just a reminder to everybody though that seeking asylum is not an illegal process. It's definitionally a legal process. So those are migrants are doing this the right way. And Greg Abbott is still denying them the services that they need. So when he talks about and virtue signals about, oh, we're just talking about illegal immigration, it's total and utter BS because this is how he's treating the migrants who are coming the quote unquote right way. Just keep that in mind as the conservatives reiterate that talking point to death. But now California Mayor Karen Bass did not know about the bus load, but she put out this statement. Though we were not formally notified about this bus when it left Texas, my office was aware that it was on its way yesterday and we mobilized. Los Angeles believes in treating everyone with respect and dignity and will continue to do so. Which is the right way to respond in this situation. But unfortunately, this isn't the first time and it most probably won't be the last time the stunt is pulled either. Now, just as a reminder from The Guardian. Earlier in June, the state of Florida picked up three dozen migrants in Texas and sent them by private jet to California's capital, catching shelters and aid workers in Sacramento by surprise. California's Governor Gavin Newsom held Florida's 
Governor Ron DeSantis responsible for the flights of asylum seekers, which came in two waves and appeared to threaten the, to file kidnapping charges after the first incident in which a group of migrants was dumped at a Sacramento church. And Jackson, I would like to see him follow through on that threat and actually file kidnap charges because that is exactly what is happening. He, they are these Republican governors are, you know, misleading these migrants about what's happening. They're oftentimes promising that there's jobs waiting. That there's resources waiting without informing the states to be prepared for these uh, for these migrants, uh, and they're under false pretenses shipping them to other parts of the country. I mean, it's definitionally human trafficking. Absolutely, and if there's any you know thought of you know fiscal responsibility, how much more money is it costing to get them back to where they actually need to go? And one of the key telltale signs that you know these governors, despite the fact that um, you know these migrants' lives are being utilized, the biggest sign that they're posturing is that they're sending like 40 people at a time or 50 people at a time. Like this isn't like a genuine effort to migrate migrants to another state. You're not sending hundreds or thousands of people at a time. You're sending just enough for it to be credible because you filled a bus or something like that. So it's really just a, a very meticulous and cheap way of posturing to the base. Um, but unfortunately, Greg Abbott, you know, pretty much every other thing, if not everything that he does, is pretty disgusting like this, including voting against handicapped people's ability to vote early, even though he lives his life in a wheelchair. So that's just the kind of guy Greg Abbott is. Right. Also, in the changing the laws in Texas so that the workers don't have the same protections is amid a historic heat wave. I mean, truly like comically evil individual. Yeah. yeah. And just to the point about fiscal responsibility, they're chartering private jets to send these migrants to these other states. I mean, how much taxpayer dollars are they wasting by doing that? Especially as you pointed out, most of these migrants are coming to their declaring asylum and they have a sponsor here or they have a you know relative here who they're intending to go and live with. And so to frame them as like, oh, they're a huge scourge on our resources, on our society, when they are just trying to get to with their loved ones, their family members, and you're sending them the wrong way. I mean, it's just it's a disgusting, disgusting act of, of you know inhumanity. All right, let's take a look at some more comments before we get into our last story, which might be my favorite one because it's it's pretty funny and pretty stupid, and I still can't quite wrap my head around how they're trying to do this. Um, but Twitch says for Poycat says Jackson's Trump impression sounds like a purposeful, exaggerated parody of Trump, and I love it. Oh, thank yeah, it you. does. It sounds like it sounds like I'm really trying to sound like Donald Trump. My Ryan DeSantis, that that's down, that's that's perfect though. But yeah, my Trump sounds like I'm trying to sound like Trump for sure. Well, now you have to we have to hear the Ron DeSantis. Well, you know, they're not going to stop Florida from eradicating the woke disease, the mind like he's just It was good. No, that was that was Oh yeah, I told you it's chef's kiss, you know what I'm saying? I work at it. That was fantastic. Mouse and a Dragon Runzy, thank you so much for resubbing. 29 months of TYT Twitch awesomeness. Thanks for delivering the information we need to stay properly informed. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much for resubbing and supporting TYT for all this time. Over on YouTube, Vincent Morales says, I like your show, Action Jackson. Oh, thank you. Yes, subscribe, youtube.com slash at politics and paper. We go live every day and I got a show every Wednesday night. Go ahead and check us out. Um, and then Christina Elisa Brown says, Ravana is amazing. Oh, well, thank you. That's very sweet. <laughs> Ghost Dog TV on Twitch says, Imprisoned Landlords, I could not agree more. Omega Shenron Dragon says, Greg Gutfeld is more harm when he's around any woman compared to homeless people. Yeah, he's really disgusting. Gross, yeah. he's the guy who said that uh, that it's the American dream to be raped by your teacher if you're a boy. So yeah, that's the guy who's, who's fuck. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. That's the guy who's virtue signaling about um, about drag queens being groomers. Is the guy who's also saying that he would have loved to have been raped by his teacher when he was an underage kid. I stopped myself. I pat myself on the back he, he of that. He truly sounds like a man who women are lining up around the block for, doesn't he? Man, I yeah. wish I wish 35 years ago I could have had sex with. And then like, <laughs> okay, bro. Thank you. you could just go do your thing now, but all right. Right. <laughs> I mean, Fox News is just full of creeps, and we, I mean, literal yeah. sex predators. And then you've got like Jesse Waters, who 
met his wife when she was working for Fox News by slashing her tires. And then yeah, he slashed oh, yeah. her tires. Was he serious? I didn't know he was. I oh, think was, I heard him telling that story. He's like, he was serious. Yeah, well, that's, just, that's pretty frightening. But I guess I, let, let's just leave that for another day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, less frightening but more funny is this next story. Oof. A dystopian housing community is on the horizon. Say hello to 1776 Gastonia, which is a 55 plus community where, as they put it, patriotism lives. Located in Gastonia, North Carolina, Rock Frankhauser and his wife Nicole Brooke. Founder, uh, found of the community, founded the community mid June. Excuse me. Now here's a little introduction for this living community. At 1776, our goal is to bring patriotism to the front porch of housing and the communities that we develop henceforth. Further, the 1776 standards or covenants. Each 1776 homeowner makes to one another include a pledge of allegiance to the United States of America, an embrace of our nation's traditional motto, E Pluribus Unum, and last but not least, commitment to fly the American flag at all times. All times. <laughs> it is so funny because legally, as, as long as they're doing it, it is like an HOA, and as long as they're enforcing these covenants that run with the land on all these houses in the community, they actually can enforce that. That is like that sort of aesthetic zone zoning. They can enforce that on everybody who lives there. But Jackson, quickly, I just have to point out that this is a 55 plus community, and almost none of the people they had in that ad were <laughs> they had a bunch of kids. Right, that, right. Everybody grandkids, everybody great step nieces or whatever. But it always cracks me up when I see this type of patriotism because it's so outdated. It's yeah. like it's not even people who are super patriotic aren't like, you know, henceforth. Like, bro, don't nobody talk like that no more. You know what I'm saying? Like people make Put that in legal writing, but people, you know, like, right? You don't talk like that every day, stuff like because none of the other words you said were in, in that kind of English, you know. But um, you know, it, it's just corny to me. But hey, you know, got to get it how you live. This is America, and I guess they have the right to do what they want to do. But um, yeah, I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah, no, it's super goofy. So let's get into a little bit more about the real estate developer that the Guardian reported on. There are 43 lots for sale. Parcels range from $17,500 to $75,000 for land and homes cost $410,000 and up in the city, 20 miles from Charlotte. Each 1776 community, Fankhauser plans on more. Will also donate a home with no mortgage free of cost to a wounded veteran through the nonprofit Building Homes for Heroes. So I'm gonna stop there for a second because that would be, you know, these are the people who hate homeless people. They don't care about providing services for homeless veterans, but honestly, if they're gonna give houses to unhoused people, I mean, it's one house, so it's like, it's not that, you're not making that big of a difference. But I mean, to that one person, I guess it's it's a difference. I mean, for them individually, it's it's helpful. I don't. I'm not gonna hate on that. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. You can't you can't hate on the the effort, but you know, it's just interesting how people um, on the right can never see how systemic effort yeah. can make a change with these issues. It's not just all oh, the veterans only, or only the people that I know. You know, like actually, not to say that we should just. And the irony of it is, no one. I've never heard anybody on the left actually be like, we should just give people stuff for nothing. We should just give people handouts, literally. Most people I know want to work. Most people I know want to contribute, and more likely than not, you know, unless somebody is just like has severe mental health issues, if you give them a shot, if you help them out, they're probably going to do all right. So it's just so frustrating when people can't see that. Yeah, exactly. Let's get though back a little bit more about how they're allowed to do this and how they describe themselves. So from the Guardian, this development, which the company has described as where freedom lives, is for homeowners 55 and older, and not just any homeowners, patriots who will be required to fly the US flag on their properties on a pole provided and maintained by the subdivision. Now you heard in that clip and I mentioned after the video that they're allowed to do this by using covenants and the Guardian also reported on that. 
1776 Gastonia will use a restrictive covenant that includes the flag stipulation. Restrictive covenants, a norm in residential real estate, allow homeowner associations to enforce rules and consistency in planned communities. Fankhauser defines them as a pledge of allegiance to the United States and promises among neighbors. Now, when asked how this community is going to define patriotism, Fankhauser responded obliquely that patriotism is a mountain landscape. He said, we're in a valley right now, and to that, and to the extent that I can have any impact whatsoever on bringing us from a valley towards a peak, it would give me tremendous satisfaction. <laughs> now, Fankhauser says the 1776 brand is a movement, and the Gastonia project is just the beginning. I mean, you know what? I've seen conservatives spend their money on some dumbass stuff. I watched them buy Trump's NFTs where he just photoshopped himself as a cowboy, <laughs> put himself on the and moon. The spaceman, right, a spaceman. Right, so I mean, honestly, I think people will live here. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if people are in the area and it makes sense for them and they got a good place, yeah, they'll absolutely live there. And, and, and uh, you know, don't forget when he said, what do you say? It was like flag waving at all times. You have to always wave the flag. So they, it's not just a patriotic living space. It's not just a patriotic neighborhood, but it's also like a forced patriotic neighborhood. You gotta have the flag out and uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, people will definitely live there for sure. Yeah, yeah it's just it's it's so expensive too. They said it's like four hundred ten thousand dollars <laughs> for a house. So like, but I mean, there are a lot of people who love to throw their money away on the. If they got things. it, if they got it, and especially too, like let's say like you just need community. It could be just a community of like super Republicans, super patriotic Republicans, and that you know everybody met each other in a Facebook chat group or something like that, and then they all fill the vacancies in the neighborhood. And they, if they can all get along, it'll be a peaceful place. You just can't bring. Diversity in there because you already know what's up then. Right, right. <laughs> and honestly, maybe it's better that they're all sort of segregating themselves away from the general population because, I mean, maybe then more people don't have to be subjected to their nonsense <laughs> and their BS and they can just sort of stay isolated and, you know, yeah, you know what you're going to get if I you go there. <laughs> I complain, you know what I'm saying? It's all good. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jackson. Yes. Fun as always, remind the people where they can see you and see more of your content. Yes, check me out, subscribe to my YouTube, Politics and Paper, youtube.com slash at Politics and Paper. We got a whole lot of new stuff going on there. Always good to be here with you. I didn't even know I was gonna be here, but let's, let's keep this train rolling. It's always good. Right, absolutely. What a pleasant surprise for the day. And everyone, absolutely go check Jackson's stuff out. Check out his Rebel HQ videos, check out my Rebel HQ videos. Um, We've got to bring the show to an end, but don't forget that J.R. Jackson is back on the watch list right after this. So you're going to want to stick around and we will see you all on Wednesday. Have a good 4th of July. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network, like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie and the Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.